You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Want more Gators Breakdown? Join Gators Breakdown Plus, starting at $3 a month. Get access to unique episodes, plus a blog, chat room, giveaways, shoutouts, and more. Gators Breakdown Plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you. Head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join Gators Breakdown Plus today. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. You know what else is ready to go? Football season. It is here. Fall camp is starting on Friday. I'm recording this on Thursday night, but... Most of you will probably listen to it on Friday, so football is here. We are ready for some football, and the Gators will hit the field on Friday to start fall camp ahead of the 2021 season, so we get to talk some football. Uh, to update you guys, media will not be allowed at practice, uh, so no open practices for the media or the public, so it will be word of mouth again like it was in the springtime. So, you know, we'll just have to take everything with a grain of salt and just see what the Gators look like when they take on FAU in the first game of the seasons. But we did get a chance to speak with Dan Mullen and some players ahead of the Friday start of fall camp. So that's basically what this episode will be built on. All the uh, sound that um, – and video here on YouTube. So uh, all the interviews, press conferences that happened – in Gainesville, it will be the only in-person uh, interaction that we have with Mullen and the players this uh, ahead of the season. Everything else will be Zoom from here on out. So, um, you know, luckily Florida did get the chance for, for some in-person interaction uh, for the first time with most of the players, you know, except for SEC media days. Um, first interaction with the players since the end of the 2019 season. So, but back to Zoom. <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll see where, it, you know, we'll get plenty like we we're used to from the 2020 season. Uh, but Zoom from here on out, uh, virtual interviews uh, from here on out with Gators, uh, coaches, coaching staff, uh, and the players from here on out. So plenty, plenty to get into from Dan Mullen and a few players, uh, Damian Pierce, Justin Shorter, Jeremiah Moon, uh, Jay Dunhill, um, Tradeen. Probably forgetting somebody there. I think I got them all. Stuart Reese there on the offensive line too. I think that was all of them. <laughs> so uh, a good a good bit of uh, 
a good bit of info and talk we get to discuss here on Gators Breakdown. So, um, it's uh, some some good. Damian Pierce is a, is a funny guy. Yeah, I think we'll get that across here. Uh, to kind of just warn you guys, I can only show three minutes of video from each player uh, in a day's time. Now, that's just kind of a SEC Florida rule uh, there. So can't uh, – I would have liked to share more, uh, of course, but I think we'll get through about an hour here on the episode. I had a poll that I threw up for ahead of fall camp as well, uh, asking you guys, especially on Twitter, uh, I threw out there what position battle interests you the most. Uh, and that was a runaway with running back and offensive line. So I'll share the results of that as well. Uh, but, you know, before we get off here on Gators breakdown. So let's start it. Let's start it. Uh, and we'll start at quarterback. Uh, of course, a lot of Emory Jones talk because of the change on offense that, of course, is going to happen. And uh, some good thoughts here from Dan Mullen and, and what the players had to say. Uh, I really liked it. You know, they're defending their quarterback uh, in a couple ways here uh, of, you know, he, he's, he's more than just a runner. Uh, and I know um, we know that aspect of Emory Jones game will be a big part of this Gator offense. Uh, but, you know, they, they are letting us know don't forget about the thrower that Emory Jones can be as well. I think for him, I, I think the expectations, but being a mature guy, it helps. I think, you know, being around the guys, seeing how they handle it, uh, how to prepare for different situations, um, how he gets himself ready for the season. You know, I think there's a lot to that within maturity of knowing how to prepare and how to do things. And, um you know, and then the expectations that come along with that and the responsibility when everybody's looking at you. I mean, he's got to go win the job still, but I think everybody looks at you as the guy that's going to be the guy. Um, there, there's certain different levels of expectations uh, for you within the good and the bad, and I think the maturity certainly helps him to be able to handle all of that. So everything is about timing, you know, and if you do it over and over and over again, you know, the timing will get better. So I'd say our big thing was just make sure that we, we got the reps in with Emery and um, Anthony, both quarterbacks. So literally, like I promise you, probably every single other day we would be out there on the field or in the, in the, in the indoor throwing for like two hours, you know, just trying to get timing down. And even, even yesterday we were all out there throwing, you know, throwing around, running routes. So it's just, it's just timing thing. But I think this year will be perfectly fine. Have you seen sort of those uh, leadership traits that, you know, Kyle presented last year with Emory this year? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I'd say Emory, he's 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 a he's a very athletic human being. And just watching him during drills and stuff like that, you know, like a jackrabbit going back and forth. Even um, we had this thing during the during the spring where like we had to like basically like do all these drills and like race each other. And he's beating me like by like three, four yards. And I'm like, how is this man even so quick? But. I say he's a he's a great leader, and you guys are really going to see him stand up this year. I would say he definitely likes to throw more than more of the run, but 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 we could just keep that a a, a, a secret for now. So defense is coming <laughs> up on, on on the run, but I'm like I don't know like I, I don't even know like what else to say. I say just wait till that first game on September fourth, you know, and that'll answer everyone's question about him. I don't like to call Emory a dual threat because most people most people like see Emory break and see him run, but uh no. Being Emory's, you know, that, that's my boy right there. I call Emory a mobile pocket passer because this guy, he can launch that ball. Like, that what most people, you know, that that's probably his most underrated aspect of his game. Like, he can launch the ball, and he wants to throw the ball first. He only he only runs when, you know, it's absolutely nothing there or pressure comes or, and he got to get out of the pocket. But uh, I feel like Emory bring a lot to the table this year, and he's going to shock a lot of people. 
that keeps the defense on their toes because with Emory being the, um, the dynamic quarterback that he is, he can make plays with his feet, with his arm, or he can dish it out to us. We could be at receiver. We have two running backs, one in the backfield, one might motion out to the receiver. You feel me? It just gives us multiple options and, um, to, you know, try to catch the defense off guard and, um, you know, draw up plays to our advantage. Well, if y'all think Emory Jones is not going to throw the ball, that's a mistake. Uh, I say um, he has the ability to use his legs. I think his legs, you know, add addition to his arm. His arm uh, can be very good. So I think uh, people not thinking that, I guess we just got to show him this, this shit coming up. There we go. Got to show him. Got to show him. And, that, and that's what it is. Look, guys, we, and we know we've seen him be Jones with his legs. We know he's a runner. We know he's a capable runner. What we haven't seen enough of is him being a thrower. And what these players are, are, are telling us is, look, don't worry. You know, Emory Jones has got the arm, and they see him more as a thrower and not a runner and only a runner when he has to. So, you know, I love what Damian Pierce said. You know, what Emory Jones brings to the table is, is, is going to be a versatile offense. And you'll see uh, an open offense, you know, as – you know, there's this maybe a debate. I don't know. Um, people out there, oh, you know, this is uh, this will open up the offense more because uh, of his legs. Well, it opens up the versatility of the offense more, not necessarily just open up the offense. The offense was open last year, and you were sitting there throwing for 400 yards a game, so the offense was plenty open. But it become the versatility is now open to where you can be a threat running, you can be a threat passing. That's what Emory Jones is going to bring to the table, and I, I love the confidence here and the players and, and Emory, and, but, you know, making sure out there that, look, he, he is a thrower. And, look, I, I still think you can use the term dual threat. I know Damian Pierce doesn't want to call him that, uh, but you can still use the term dual threat. Dual means you can run and you can pass. You can pass and you can run. doesn't matter which one's first. doesn't matter which one you do more of. I mean, Emory Jones will throw the ball more than he runs it. Uh, so, you know, he's going to be a dual threat quarterback and probably, hopefully, as these guys are saying, maybe one that relies on his arm and then only uses his legs in trouble. Now, there's going to be design runs. Of, of course, that's a, a staple of a Mullen offense if he has a mobile quarterback. We saw a Trask run plenty, even though he's not a mo- quote-unquote mobile quarterback. Those quarterback draws, quarterback powers are still in the playbook. So, of course, we're going to get it with Henry Jones with his ability uh, to run. But I, you know, I, I do think – putting a number on it's going to be tough. You know, does he throw 30 times a game? That's probably the number to look for. Uh, And look, I don't really know if it's over or under that, what that means for the offense. If it's under that, I hope it means the run game with Emory's working, the run game with the running backs is working, and he doesn't have to throw over 30 times. Or if he does, the positive of that is they trust him to throw more than 30 times, and the offense is pretty open because – you. The run game's going to be there with Emory and these running backs. That's what's what the, you know, for, for what you have at running back, and we'll get into that uh, at, in just a second. Of course, the run game's going to be there more than it was the last couple of years. And plus, you don't have Pitts, you don't have Tony to th- those weapons outside. The run game's going to open up with the five running backs that you have. Uh, so the running game's going to be part of it. So if and it, and it may be a soundbite later. I can't remember if I had time to leave it in or not, but. You know, every game's going to be different. There might be – I think Stuart Reese says that. So, I think, you know, I'll get into that in just a bit. I think Stuart Reese does say something about it. Every game's going to be different uh, there. So, but, you know, when we get to the end of the season, does Emory Jones average 30 passes a game? What, what, and I think that's the over-under we should probably go with. 
and we'll look at that and maybe see how that plays out uh, during the season. But kind of going back to what Dan Mullen said or earlier to kick off Emory Jones and the, the Emory Jones talk, it was kind of weird to me that we did not get Emory Jones at SEC Media Days, and then we didn't get him here for uh, the kickoff of Fall Camp Media Day either. So, like, I don't think there's anything to it. I just think it's weird um, that we would have liked to talk to the quarterback one of these media sessions. And I'm sure we'll get Emory next week some sometime. But, you know, the kickoff the season, whether it be at SEC Media Days, whether it be at Florida, uh, the quote-unquote media day to kick off the season, Emory Jones, it would have been t- nice to talk about Emory Jones, but we uh, or talk to Emory Jones. Uh, but we'll get to talk about Emory Jones <laughs> from Mullen and the players. But Mullen, you know, of course, discusses the expectations and maturity uh, from Emory Jones, and he's had plenty of time for the maturity part of it to just let it develop. Um, coming as a true freshman, it's, it's – a lot to ask, especially for a Dan Mullen quarterback. He doesn't throw his quarterbacks out there. So it would be asked a lot to be a mature enough quarterback to take over for an offense, for, for a Dan Mullen offense. But he was mature enough for Dan Mullen to put him in there as a true freshman and in big game situations against Georgia and other teams, uh, you know, LSU in, in 2019 as well. He's played in some big games. He's shown some early maturity, but it takes time to be a mature, like a Kyle Trask, be out there to lead the team. That's the things he learned. He's learned over the last couple of years from Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask. That was something Mullen spoke on. I kind of kept that out of the uh, out of it because just for the sake of time. Uh, but he, you know, he talked about learning from those two guys, learning to mature, learning to become a leader, and that's what uh, Emory Jones is going to bring to the table. He's been around the program. He's been around these players in the locker room long enough for them to look at him as a leader. You know, he's not this new guy coming in. He's not a transfer quarterback coming in. He's been around this team. He's been around these coaches. He's been around these players, staff members, to become and grow into a leader. I think that all that part of it, I think it's going to go pretty far uh, for Emory Jones here. But, you know, part of it too, as as Mullen said, the expectations. How do you deal with the expectations? And that maturity goes into that too. If you have a bad game, how do you bounce back? You know, you, you – Bad games happen. Bad games happen. How, how do you bounce back from it? Uh, so, you know, uh, leadership and uh, ex- but how do you handle expectations is going to be a big part of it, too. There's going to be big expectations on Emory Jones. Being Dan Mullen's first quarterback recruit at the University of Florida, there's a little bit of pressure there, uh, pressure for Mullen. And we talked about that uh, a few weeks ago. But pressure for Emory, too, to kind of just live up to that um, uh, elite quarterback recruit and Dan Mullen's first quarterback recruit at Florida. And – to hold off somebody like Anthony Richardson, who, who's behind you, nipping at your heels, who, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, is going to get some playing time. And then we know we'll see where it goes. But this is Emory Jones' team. He'll lead the team in the fall camp. He'll lead the team in, into the season. There's some expectations that he needs to handle to go along with it. So a lot of good Emory Jones stuff. I, I, I love the way the players talk about him. I love the way the players talk about his arm. love the way the players talk about him being a quarterback and a quarterback that likes to go throw the ball and not necessarily run run when he has to. So I'm very interested in Dan Mullen's play calling here of how many design runs, how many times does Emory Jones look to escape the pocket? Hopefully it's no he's not escaping the pocket too early. Hopefully, hopefully it's he's he's going through the offense, he's hitting his reads, the reads not there, the guy's not open, then you can take off and run. Or if a bad block is happening and you see the block, bad block happening, you know, to take off and run, get something out of the play, live the play another day, not make a mistake, not force a throw, uh, not fumble, you know, get hit from behind, so anything like that. So, uh, you know, pocket presence, I think, is going to be uh, pretty, pretty, uh, 
important to watch early on uh, for one Emory Jones, especially week three when Alabama comes to town. Let's shift the focus now to the run game, running backs. Hey, we got a Demarcus Bowman update here from Dan Mullen. So it will start with that. Uh, we'll get the Dan Mullen's thoughts on uh, Demarcus Bowman and some other players' thoughts, uh, mainly Damian Pierce here on the Florida run game. I mean, he looked good in a little bit in spring, but he, he, we got to see how he picks things up, how he learns. And obviously, you know, I mean, that that hurts, you know, being a – uh, being a, a first-year player, when you kind of miss a whole installation, you know, this is kind of now, it's almost like he's going through the installation and learning it all for the first time because of how much he, you know, he missed the installation in spring. Our job is putting guys in position to do what they do well on the field. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked to see us with multiple running back packages this year with more than one on the field at a time, a little more than we've done maybe in the past. Uh, just utilizing our talent and our depth of what we have at that spot. Uh, but also those guys really buying in uh, to the program, you know, and understanding how big a role they can make in special teams, how this. And, and when you get into play count of the ability to stay healthy, the ability to stay fresh by rotating a bunch of guys through, and our guys have really bought into that. Oh, as a runner, that made me feel excited. I mean, we got more plays drawn up. <laughs> but, I mean, at times last year, I mean, you guys didn't even try to run the ball, right? It, was, it, was, it had to be a little frustrating at times for you personally. It may be frustrating a little bit, but like I said in the previous interview, bro, we had, you know, a generational quarterback here at Florida and maybe one of the greatest tight ends in the history of college football. So <laughs> heading to this season, you know, like Munda said, you know, it's going to be different, obviously, with Emory at quarterback and um, some of those two back sets. So uh, we'll see what's going on this year. You know, I like to run through people, not around people. Uh, you know, we got Elite. He's a... Uh, I think Lee, I think Lee like being open field more like like more pass packages or whatever. And uh Naquan, he like a little Swiss army knife. You feel me? We could put him out in the we could put him out in the pass game or you know, he's short of stock enough to run through you too, you feel me? And then, you know, we got Bowman and um Lorenzo who are like more of our top end speed guys. Like if they get a step on you, you're not catching them. So like just hang that up. Boom. There we go. Quick run down of the running backs and their attributes there from one Damian Pierce. But I'm telling you, man, you guys go go out there. I, I believe all the all the all the uh, interviews will be on YouTube or on YouTube at, at some point. So I believe after Gators Breakdown, <laughs> go listen to the full interviews. Uh, I want to keep you guys here for now, uh, but you know, go check out the interviews. You will love Damian Pierce and, and his approach to talking to the media and you know, looking ahead uh, to this season. Like I, I'm a big Damian Pierce fan. Um, you know, I'm not sure how. He's going to be the leader of that running back group, and going back to Damian Pe or um, um, Demarcus Bowman, you know Dan Mullen's first—that was the first bite there uh, from Dan Mullen. He was talking about Demarcus Bowman and basically installation and going back to that point of his game by missing so much spring practice. I think he was only out there for the first week of spring practice before he got injured. It was not a major injury. He will be ready to go for fall camp. He'll be out there for fall camp uh, starting on Friday, but he is behind and behind some other running backs out there um, that, that's in the rotation, of course. You know, Damian Pierce went down the list of what Florida has at running back. You know, called basically himself the bruiser going into the line, lacking, lacking a whole lot of contact. Malik Davis, more of the, the passing threat. And we, and we saw that last year, and maybe he is – you know, lining up in the slot just a little bit just to get some more touches in his hands and also have some more running backs get some more touches out of the backfield, uh, give them some more touches as well. 
Naquan Wright, basically called him the best all-around back. He's got the speed, but he can also run through you. Uh, we saw that at times last year, too. He, he could be physical a little bit. I like some of his moves we saw last year, the flashiness we saw from Wright. But interesting, Damian Pierce brings up his physicality uh, as well as part of his game. But then what we've been talking about the whole time, the two other running backs, Lingard and Bowman, they have the top end speed. Nobody else has in that, in that running back room. So how do you get them involved? How do you get them to the edge? How do you get them to the outside? Uh, you know, that's not going to be everything you use them for, but I think those are parts of the offense, part of the scheming that's going to be from Dan Mullen is to get those guys in situations where they can use their speed and outrun everybody. And like, like Damian Pierce says, good luck catching them once they get there. And I know there's, you know, we can make too much of one player or whatever. And, you go back to Lorenzo Lingard last year versus Vanderbilt, and, uh, and you see some of his runs there. He looked faster than, than everybody. And I'd love to know why he didn't get more touches last year as well. And I know that's a big sticking point for a whole lot of people. And we'll get into it later on with the poll uh, that I threw up is the sharing of carries at running back. And I just don't know. I don't know how that's going to work out. I know a lot of people think Dan Mullen is too uh, reliable and reliant on seniority. And a lot of people don't want Damian Pierce getting more carries and Malik Davis getting more carries. Uh, they want to see Lingard. They want to see Bowman get more carries. Look, a lot more goes into it. We, we, we've talked about that before. You know, can you block? Can you help, help protect your quarterback? Can you catch out of the backfield? There's going to be parts of it, too. Dan Mullen doesn't want his offense predictable, and that can be part of it. If you're only out there trying to, you know, if you, if you can't block, but you're only out there to – to run a wheel route, if you're out there just to catch a ball out of the backfield or run a tall sweep, teams to pick up on that. So the thing here, you know, we need all these running backs to be well-rounded and, you know, hopefully be on the field. Be on the field and be on the field at the same time. That was a common theme here. Two back sets. You heard Damian Pierce say it. You heard Dan Mullen say it. I think we've been waiting on that. And I thought, you know, we go back to 2018. I remember previewing Dan Mullen's first season and we really thought we might see Jordan Scarlett and Michael Piran in the backfield a whole lot. And I think we did get it just a bit. I think we thought we might get it a little more. And when also when Malik Davis come back from injury uh, a little bit too, we thought we might see it with Pier, uh, with um, Piran and um, Piran and Davis in 2019. If I, I forget if the names I said in 2018, but Piran and Scarlett together in 2018, and maybe Piran and Davis together. In 19, you know, didn't really get a whole lot of it. But Dan Mullen brought it up. David Pierce brought it up. And I think that's going to be a, a part of the offense. When you go this deep, when you need to disperse carries between five running backs, I think you're going to see. And you've and you got some weapons there. you got Emory Jones in the backfield. And you got Demarcus Bowman on one side and Damian Pierce on one side. Naquan Wright and Malik Davis splitting – the quarterback. I mean, the the possibilities are endless here. Uh, with that, hopefully these guys um, can 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 step up to the plate, earn their carries, and if one guy can be the bell cow, one guy and, and all these guys need to go out there and and, and basically force Mullen's hand to give them the ball. Uh, if if you're the playmaker out there, go prove it. I think you'll get the ball if you go out there and prove it. Uh, there's a lot to be proven uh, for these running backs as far as you know reliability. And consistency. Now, that's one thing we haven't got. And look, part of it is the offensive line. We'll get into that too, uh, and what Stuart Reese has to say about the offensive line. But it's a, been a team effort there uh, at running back. I say more on the offensive line, but those guys can need those guys need to be 
um, at the running back position also need to be held accountable just a bit for some of the consistency or lack of consistency, I should say, from the run game. All right? Teased it just a second ago. Stuart Reese, uh, offensive line transfer from Mississippi State, joined the team last year. Um, you want to get a little bit of his story here of his first year at Florida, how it uh, affected him and the offensive line. And, and uh, <laughs> I, really like, uh, I really like Reese's demeanor uh, as well when talking about the offensive line. Spring and summer is real uh, important because that's the time for me to lean up. Um, not having that period really affected me negatively. So um, being able to have a spring and a summer training session has really helped this year for me to get back in the sh- uh, type of shape that I'm used to being in, um, especially for the season. Um, so it's, it, it's a real big part of uh, this year for me. I felt it you know, throughout the season um, and then you know, having to be out two weeks again with COVID um, and then having to sit out another week um, due to a concussion last year that, you know, it really had a toll on my body as far as conditioning and stuff like that. So, um, like I said, having this period of training, you know, spring and summer this year has really helped me out. Um, for us, our job doesn't really change. You know, as offensive linemen, you have to be good at both. I mean, you know, playing for two different styles of quarterbacks, you know, having Kyle come in and him being more of a pocket passer, having Emory come in. Um, I personally do think he's a dual threat. Um, because I've seen his ability to run. But, um, you know, it doesn't really change because, like I said, as an offensive lineman, you have to be ready for both. Um, you know, going into a game, the game plan may be different, you know, week to week. So you can't, you know, just get stuck on, oh, you know, being able to run block or being able to pass block because, you know, there might be a game this year where Emory has to be a pocket passer. So, you know, it, it, it has to fit, you know, whether it's run or pass. One of the things that I like about our, our unit is, you know, we, we gel really well, you know, we've never had any issues or, you know, ego ego problems between any of us, you know. We all feel like it's it's a real brotherhood. Um you know, as far as physicality, I mean we, we're always gonna be physical. That's that's what Coach Mullen and our staff prize this program on is being physical, you know, coming out and uh out toughing people in the game. Um even if we do lose, I mean, that team is probably not going to want to play us again because of how physical we were. So, um, you know, physicality is going to be a big part of the season this year. Um, like we said before, uh, having Emory back there and having running backs from last year, we're going to be able to do a lot more damage um, from the run game. Good stuff there from uh, Stuart Reese, and he's right. The fact, physicality has got to be there uh, from this offensive line. We, we, we've, we've seen that aspect of the offensive line of the run game lacking the last couple of years. Just no physicality, hardly, or not consistently at least. Um, you know, Florida still don't get tackled for a whole lot of lost yardage, but they don't hit the big plays either. You know, and it's, uh, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust is what the kind of run game has been uh, the last couple of years. And of course you've had LaMichael P round bust some long runs, of course, Auburn two years ago and in the bowl game versus Virginia, uh, but very, very tough to find explosive run plays last year. Uh, so that's where they got to get better. And you know, physicality goes a long way in that. And, you know, Stuart Reese, you know, credit him too. you know, a whole lot of honesty there for, from him of look and guys, I know you're tired of hearing it. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of, you know, bringing it up too, but you know, 
COVID did affect some people more than others. And if you're a transfer from Mississippi State and you're coming into an offense, um, and it's a different offense than what you were used to when you're Dan Mullen and John Hevesy were at Mississippi State, you needed every bit of development. You needed every bit of getting in shape with Nick Savage that you could get. And a player like Stuart Reese didn't get it. And then he gets injured. That puts him even further behind during the season when he actually is learning, when he actually is playing in it. And like I said, I you know, I hate bringing it up because it does sound like an excuse, but you know some excuses can be valid, and that one is valid. I think uh, at some point, did everybody deal with it? Absolutely, everybody dealt with it different. That's always been my point with it, and it did affect some people more than others, and it really did seem like it affects Stuart Reese. Uh, he's lost some weight. He's in better shape uh, this offseason. He spoke on that as well. Uh, so I didn't include that, but. Of course, I can tell you about it because that's what what he said. So, you know, Stuart Reese, I expect big things from, from, from him in this offensive line that really needs to show up this year. Does he play center? Does he play right guard? I think that's still the question out there all about what Kingsley Aguaken can do. If he can step in at center, then does that move Reese to right guard? What does that mean for right tackle? Is Gene DeLant still there? Does Josh Braun move out there? I, you know, I, I've kind of thought the starting five would be – uh, garage, you know, starting from left to right, garage, um, white, maybe Reese at center, Braun at right guard, DeLance at right tackle. Well, he had all shapes up. I think that would be your starting five to start spring, maybe a Gwaken there at center, shift Reese to right guard. Then I don't know what you do at right tackle. Maybe it's still DeLance, which I, I think DeLance is going to be your starting right tackle game one. No, you don't want to hear it. We've discussed plenty about it. I think that's what it's going to be. So how does that affect Aguaken, Reese, and, and Braun? I don't know. I don't know how you work it out there. At least you got six guys to talk about, and I know a lot of you you know, will switch that back to five because of their lance, but he's going to be in that rotation. So you have to mention six players there at least that's going to be in that starting offensive line rotation. And uh, But he's, he's right. they got to get back to the mental part of being a physical off, offensive line. But look, I think style of play also goes into that. So, as he said, you know, going back to a running quarter, a quarterback that can run, a running game that goes five deep, an offensive line that, for all intents and purposes, for me, has probably been recruited more and developed more from John Hevesy in that style. So, hopefully, hopefully, going back to that style of offense kind of just helps the development uh, a little bit. And look, I, I know. Um, a lot of people are kind of just tired of John Hevesy and the way the offensive line plays, recruiting a part of that uh, as well. But looking at what we're just looking at right now, ahead in a preview of the 2021 season, there are some pieces there that got to stay healthy. Uh, they got to get a, a five-man rotation they feel better about. For this style of offense, I think this offensive line can be okay. I don't, I don't expect great things. Um, maybe the if it is a great, I say quote-unquote great, Offensive line, I think it's going to be a lot to do with Emory Jones. I think it's going to be a lot to do with these running backs, helping them out. We'll see where it goes. But the style of play, I think, will lend itself to a more physical offensive line. We'll see if it translates to better play when they line up and play some ball games. All right, let's keep it going. Keep it going with the offense and some wide receiver talk here from Dan Mullen, talking about how to replace a player like Kadarius Toney and some more wide receiver talk from Justin Shorter. He's who he was, and we he you know you we knew what his skill set was uh, early on. 
and then as he matured and grew, it rolled into being a first-round draft pick. Um, I don't know. I don't know if we have a guy like that. You know, I mean, he's. We didn't have a first-round receiver the year before, so there was, you know, there was nobody. Or and I don't, I don't. Yeah, his skill set's unique, different, and you utilize him differently. Um, so I don't know anybody will be the same with like I don't know who's going to be Kyle Pitts' skill set this year for us, but we're going to utilize those guys in a very different way. So. We're not really um, replacing them. I'd say we're just bringing in a brand new crop of wideouts. You know that are well well trained. I'd say our group were. Um, we're young, but we're all hungry. You know, every single day, like everyone's out there putting in that that extra work to really be that big group nationwide. So I think everyone's really putting in, in the work. And our group, we definitely work super hard, extremely hard. And you know, we have Coach G leading us. You know, so I say really this year, like we all just can't wait because we're all like quiet now. We're all just put like you know putting putting in the work and quiet. We just can't wait till this year so we can go out there and Emery throws that first ball up and and watch one of us, you know, jump up and get it and then stand up and scream, and then we just keep on going, you know, the whole year. So I just really can't wait to, you know, show that off. There we go. Some wide receiver talk. Talking about re replacing a player like Kadarius Tony and Kyle Pitts. I like what Justin Shorter said. Um, you, you, we're bringing in a new crop. We're not really replacing those guys. And I, if you think about it, you're not replacing the guy. You can't replace a Kadarius Tony. You can't replace a Kyle Pitts. You're not going to be asking these guys, some of these receivers that you have, to be doing the same things at the Kyle Pitts and a Kadarius Tony. Those guys, they were first-round picks for a reason. Kadarius Tony, we knew his skill set. He just finally put it together in his last year. Kyle Pitts, when you talk about a generational tight end, you can't just sit there and say, well, we'll just roll out there the next one, and he can do it too. No, you take away from what Kyle Pitts did if you can sit there and say, Keon Zipper can go out there and do that. Uh, Kamori Gamble can go out there and do that. No, and we know that. We're not we're not saying they're going to. Uh, but, you know, that's I think a lot of the narrative out there from outside of Gator Nation, uh, oh, you know, this guy ain't going to do what Kyle Pitts did. Uh, we know that. But can Justin Shorter do some of what Kyle Pitts did? Can Jacob Copeland do what some of Kadarius Tony did? And then you have other players make up for what some of the, the, the other attributes of those players – and then you, you get it. You, you piece it together. You adapt for what you have. Um, and you, not one single player is going to replace a Kadarius Tony. Not one single player is going to replace a Kyle Pitts. But Florida has a lot of options at wide receiver that I think they feel pretty good about. Jacob Copeland leading the way. Justin Shorter sitting there talking to the media. We saw him go out and get some balls last year. Needs to be a little more consistent, of course. And uh, it was brought up the bowl game performance last year and all the drops. And it wasn't just him, it was the whole wide receiver core. Well, not whole, but you know, it was a few players that had the drops in, in the bowl game. You know, got to get over that, got to build, build on something besides that bowl game. Uh, but, you know, we saw flashes of the wide receiver group last year. You saw Xavier Henderson as a true freshman get on the field, get his feet wet. Early in games, you know, they take that first core wide receivers out, and here come Xavier Henderson. Here come Twit Trent Littlemore. Here come Justin Shorter as a second wave in important situations in the game. So the staff felt positive, felt comfortable putting a lot of those receivers that we're going to see this year out on the field. Now, don't get me wrong. You had Pitt. You had Tony dominate the stat sheet, but you still had those guys contributing some form or fashion and now, you know, there will be no newness. There's not going to be any surprises out there. You know, 
a bit of what these guys can do. Need them to develop. Need them to step up their game. Uh, Billy Gonzalez is out there going to be coaching them up, <laughs> you know, better than anybody, uh, you know, or one of the top wide receiver coaches in the country. Well, I'm not really worried about wide receiver. Uh, and you know, this, it's going to change. You know, the, the offense is going to change. The wide, receiver, wide receivers have changed. The style of offense has changed. Uh, with what you've asked the wide receivers to do from a Freddie Swain, Josh Hammond, Tyree Cleveland to what we saw a – Kadarius Tony, Kyle Pitts too. It was different, and it was well, the skill sets. The, the last couple of years, just between nineteen and twenty, were completely different in what you were asking some of your wide receivers to do, uh, com- comparing those two years. So, I think we can feel pretty good uh, about the status of the wide receiver room. Uh, you know, as long as uh, Emory Jones got some time to throw, uh, that would be one big thing. And you know, Stuart Reese talked about it. There's going to be games where Emory Jones is going to be asked to throw more than 30 times. He's, there's going to be a time that he's going to be asked 30, to throw 35, 40 times a game. Can he go out there and do it? Can he have time to go out there and do it? Uh, and then if he does, it'd be up there to the receivers to start making some plays out there and help the quarterback. You guys ready to move to defense? <laughs> we know that's maybe the hottest topic for this Gators team because there's a lot of confidence in Emory Jones. There's a lot of confidence in Dan Mullen to be able to build – an offense that will work once again. He's he's been known for it. What about the defense? What about the defense? Can they bounce back? Can the can can there be some confidence on that side of the ball? We'll hear from Dan Mullen, hear from a lot of players here and talking about this defense. I think we've addressed a lot of different situations that we feel a lot more comfortable with moving forward. You know, whether it's from our flexibility within our packages, understanding the strengths and weaknesses of our players, uh, playing more together as a team, keeping guys out of bad situations, you know, and, and, and finding ways to play at a consistent level within, you know, leadership coming with from our coaches and from our players in that mesh. All of those things combined, I think we're in a better place. I feel like um, it's definitely no, no days can be taken off um, at our job that the job, the job that we have on the field. I mean, you can take no like no slacking like you can't slack at all, you know. So, I mean, I always feel like my spot or anybody's spot can be taken at any time, you know. So, I mean, I always play with that chip on my shoulder. I feel like that's that's probably one of the biggest um, improvements of our defense. I honestly feel like the front seven, those boys, they're coming, especially with the D line, with the um, newcomers we got. Um, we're, we're definitely going to shock a lot of people this year. How do you do that make your job when they're being productive? Yeah, and that's another thing. Uh, people don't understand how like easy it makes it. our job as far as getting pressure, just getting back there to the QB, like just interrupting timing, you know. That, that makes our job a whole lot easier in the secondary. It's definitely a team sport, a defense. You, you can't just have one guy. It's all, it takes all 11. Um, it's competitive toughness, just being able to be, uh, beat your man every single, every single play. And I know we didn't we didn't have all the pieces uh, last year. We definitely had the talent, but we just didn't put it together like we wanted to. So I think that'll be. Um, I, I think that will. I think you'll see that this year, for and sure. Then, and then, how are you doing health wise with everything? Uh, I feel great. I know I've um, been through a lot or whatever, but I mean it's all in the past. I'm ready to go for sure. The whole secondary as a whole, you know, we're a great unit. You know, um, ain't no doubt in my mind that we can be the best secondary in the country. You know, especially with a lot of um, pieces getting added to us, we're just going to be, be able to create depth and become stronger. I think uh, all our DBs will get a chance to play this year. You know, I think we're a great defensive back unit. You know, I think 
Um, iron sharper iron, you know, so if I know I got a, a great backup behind me, just going to push us all as a team to get better. You know, I think um, DBU culture coming back. I think we're going to be um, one of the top units in the country, if you ask me. So I know uh, last year we didn't put everything together. I mean, we didn't tackle. It was a lot of things, but I think this year coming in with a new mindset, and uh, I think our guys are ready to play. We'll try to be as a stronger unit, you know, um, lean on each other, you know, to eliminate as many mistakes as we can. You know, just coming to offseason, you know, we create a brotherhood, you know what I'm saying, to get closer. That's really offseason about, you know, you can go through your trials and tribulations, you know, with, you know, working out, working real hard, but it's a create a, a stronger bond. Look, we've heard about that stronger bond uh, going back to SEC media days. Zachary Carter, Ventro Miller talking about that as well. I don't think there was much of a bond last year. Uh, and Dan Mullen even said it back at SEC media days and he kind of mentioned it here again. You know, he mentioned it back at SEC Media Days. You had the, the guys that were just looking out for themselves on, on defense, the independent contractors, as Dan Mullen said. And you know, this time he did speak to more of the issues here, and he, he was mentioning – Dan Mullen did mention it was coaching and it was players. You know, it was starting the leadership from the coaches and, and the players, the communication from the coaches and the players. You know, it was a, it was an and. It wasn't – this was on the players. It wasn't this was on the coaching staff. It was and, you know, and look, when you look that bad, and you guys have heard me say this, it, it took both. It took a poor coaching job. It took players maybe being independent contractors, not taking the game serious enough um, and, you know, playing for themselves. And it showed in the, the defense stunk <laughs> last year. You know, so, you know, of course, we new hires. We talk about all the issues that need to be fixed going back to spring uh, and implementing those changes uh, there coming up for the, for this fall. And, but I, I, really just these players talking about, you know, the, what it takes to bounce back and, and, and the whole brotherhood about it. And look, you're going to get taught like this, this time of year, especially when it looked as bad and you're, they're, they're going to say the good things about coming together. But I've talked to enough people, I think, behind the scenes a little bit and that does seem to be there the the, the, the camaraderie and look maybe the camaraderie you heard um Stuart reese and you heard some of the other players talk about it was you know, they weren't together uh, a whole lot last year jeremiah moons really spoke to this uh they weren't together a whole lot um got leading into to, to last year they kind of lost that connection they kind of lost that camaraderie uh, a little bit and you know what? That's one more thing that could have uh, affected how, how how the defense performed a little bit. I don't, you know, a, a small part of it. I don't think it, it was the whole big issue uh, there, but I don't think they really ever came together last year. You heard him mention the lack of tackling. You know, we just talked about the lack of physicality on the offense. Well, there's a lack of physicality on the defense as well, the front seven uh, in particular, and not in the whole, in, especially defensive backfield and the tackling issues that were in game one all the way to game 12. You know, so. You, they have to come together. They have to, you know, take this fall camp uh, with a, as a brotherhood and, and come together uh, to to fix it. You know, and we talked about the communication from game one to game twelve last year that lacked. Uh, these guys have to come together, and you know, there can't be these any more these independent contractors anymore looking out for themselves and basically um, letting that dictate how the defense goes. And you know, that's not going to work here. Uh, there, you know, on the football side of things, and we, we heard the conversation of these guys helping each other, and in particular, the front seven, front seven helping the, the the defensive backs. Of course, you don't have to cover as long, and I think you, you get that pressure up front 
could be a little more aggressive too as a defensive back. If you know those guys up front are going to be consistently harassing the quarterback, you can be a little more aggressive. Florida had so much trouble getting turnovers last year. Gervin Dexter was a player who had the, the interception for what, almost the first half of the season. The only defensive player who had – it was at least the first quarter of the season. The only interception come from Gervin Dexter. You know, th- there was no aggression, whether it be in physical, where whether it be physicality, whether there was in, in, in whether it be physical line. You know, jamming out the line from the defensive backs, whether it be tackling, whether it be you know just a mindset. There was no physicality there from that defensive backfield, and I think some of it can do with the front seven as well. Not maybe trusting that front seven, so I think you can be a little more aggressive. You know, we'll maybe see more man coverage this year to help that mindset of it too. Uh, but that front seven is as good as we think it can be. And we'll get into a popular topic coming up right after this uh, about that front seven. Uh, but, you know, part of that is if those guys are better, it can really help these defensive backs be more aggressive. You know, some of these defensive backs in this Todd Grantham defense are asked, asked to cover two guys at, at one time, but that only works consistently if you're getting pressure up front, you can be a little more aggressive. You can trust that defensive. And if you can trust that defensive front, you can be a little more aggressive. You can chase the ball a little bit more instead of having to worry about keeping everything in front of you. That's probably you know, part of the reason we saw these defensive backs play so far off last year was I don't think there was any trust last year. They didn't want to get beat over the top. So they play six, seven yards off. Okay. Well, easy first down we may or may not make the tackle. Big plays are going to happen either way. Uh, so I think uh, it, it is a symbiotic relationship between that front seven, between that back four, and, and how uh, this defense is going to be able to take the next step uh, in becoming um, you know, a better defense. So one hot-button topic was a, a, a this a last few weeks in, in discussing this defense is uh, a certain player uh, who may or may not be out there for fall camp. If you listen to the Gator side of things, and I even said it here on Gators Breakdown about Brenton Cox, um, that he was injured, um, and the hope would be that he would be back by fall camp. Well, certain Georgia writer out there said, wrote that it was going to be a significant portion of the season that Britton Cox would miss. We, on the Gator side, tried to tell you guys that it was not that serious. Uh, we told you before that report even came out that it was not that serious. We followed it up with that. Dan Mullen also backed us up on that today. We expect him to be back. You know, I mean, I don't know if we're going to let him go 100% right on day one, but, you know, he's going to be, be out there practicing right away um, and building him up right now. You know, with the time that he's missed, building him, him up, getting ready back to being 100% in not, not just the foot injury and within his training, conditioning, all that stuff. Um, you know, I expect big things out of him this year because, you know, I thought, I thought he had a really solid year last year. Uh, now a second year in the system, more experienced, more veteran guy, an older guy, having to learn, look at what he did well and poorly last year and how to, how to build off of that. Build off of that. And we know Brenton Cox got to get better at setting the edge. And I know people want to keep pointing to, oh, he's not any good, he can't set the edge. Well, that's part of development. I mean, come on. There's a, there's a reason there's an offseason. Uh, you get better at things. You get better at things. You, you identify things you had problems with. You go get better at it. You don't think they've been working on that <laughs> this whole offseason. Uh, so Brenton Cox should be by game one. You know, they could hold him out just as a safety precaution. He did play banged up last year with the foot that he had to have surgery on. That was bothering him during the season. There was a reason he had surgery after the season. He had an issue there. Uh, so gets that fixed. Had a little bit of complication in the surgery. 
but won't really keep him out all that much. He will be practicing, as Malone said, maybe not 100%. But, look, here we go. We just talked about that front seven. He's an important piece in that front seven. Jeremiah Moon, can he stay healthy and be an important part of this front seven? You have the two new transfers up there. You have Zachary Carter playing in his more natural role. As I said this before, I really like the makeup of this front seven. I really think they can prove to be worthy when you look at that symbiotic relationship between the front seven and the back four. I really like this front seven. And and, and to me, there there may be a time where they got, especially early in the season, where they have to carry that defensive backfield. We have some questions back there of who's going to line up opposite Kyrie Elam, who's going to line up with trading back there at safety. Those are some questions back there. There's a lot of names back there. Florida's got a whole lot of depth back there in that defensive secondary. Who's going to step up? And we'll get into that topic here in just a second about the fall camp battles uh, coming up. We're looking at the poll that I sent out there. But Britton Cox, important piece of that front seven. He is going to be out there for fall camp. Not to worry, Gator Nation. He will be out there. And if you listen to us, we, we were trying to steer you right, not listen to a Georgia reporter out there who is really, you know, just reporting some false news out there um, for whatever reason. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. Uh, but at least we had it right here on Gators Breakdown. So, all right. Let's get to that poll question. So, I asked on Twitter yesterday, which position group battle interests you the most as the Gators head into fall camp and why? 1,500 votes. Way to go, guys. Man, thank you. Thank you very much for those 1,500 votes. So which position group battle interests you the most as the Gators head into fall camp and why? I listed the positions as running back, offensive line, wide receiver, defensive back. So the position group that interests at least the Twitter world out there the most out of 1,500 votes, running back. That's the position group battle that interests at least Twitter Gator Nation out there, the most 41% of the vote goes to running back. 33% of the vote goes to the offensive line. 16% of the vote for the DBs, wide receiver. Understood? Is the position group that um, interests you the less because, of course, I think we have some comfortability there. But running back, I think we're comfortable there too, just really don't know how it's going to shake out. (laughs) Offensive line, more of a concern. So that can interest you as well. That one was high, as I said, and defensive backfields that just got through talking about um, a lot of position battles there as far as, you know, how, how that will shake out. I'm going to get some of your uh, thoughts here. Um, a lot of you guys left your thoughts on this topic. Alan Embry fan on Twitter says he chose running back because of the depth and it's a good problem to have. I'm not interested to see the di- – I'm interested to see the dynamic of the room. Do they ride the hot hand week by week? Does the bell cow emerge? Are all five going to get specific role to work in every game? Rocketman Howell says running back is the most interesting battle. Offensive line has been the most worried. David Soderquist, offensive line, um, post the most question marks, but the running back stable is more interesting. Dan will play seniority slash experience over raw talent as he always has. Expect to see Pierce Davis right this year, sprinkled with a little Lingard and Bowman here and there. So there's the hot topics there as far as running backs go. And, and I like what Alan Embry fan, fan says. Is, the, is there a hot hand week by week? Does a bell cow emerge? Are all five going to get specific roles to work in every game? I see that last part 
you know, all five getting specific roles to work in every game is seeing as a, as a possibility. You meant you, you, you kind of saw that last year. And I mentioned with the wide receivers, how that whole second group would come in. Well, you know, Naquan Wright was the running back that would also come in with that group a lot of the time. Okay. Well, do we kind of see that with the, the running back? All right, Damian Pierce, you're going to get the first two drives. Malik Davis, you'll come in second quarter. Lorenzo Lingard, you'll come in second quarter. I mean, who knows? I, I don't know how it's going to come out, but is it is it something like that? Is it a, a platoon of when they switch wide receivers, here comes a second or third running back uh, in, in a two running back set? You know, I, I don't know. I, I hope a bell cow emerges. I'm not so sure Mullen really allows it to emerge. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, if a running back goes to – I say to Marcus Bowman, more times than not, early in a game, he busts a long run. Uh, when's the next time he gets a carry? Is he out there the next drive? Is he out there two or three drives later? I mean, Mullen mentioned how he likes to keep these guys healthy, how he likes to keep that rotation healthy. You know, it helps them, uh, helps them last the whole season. It helps them in their, you know, potential NFL careers, not to have a whole lot of mileage on them. Um, so a bell cow, not likely, um, this Mullen, very, very few. We, we, we went back and looked at our run game, uh, about what, a month or two ago, you know, very rarely does Mullen allow a running back to, to really rack up a number of carries. So we'll see how that goes, but also I don't think he's ever had running backs like he has in the Marcus Bowman, potentially Lorenzo Lingard as well. If they live up to the five-star status, if they live up to a five-star status. He's never had running backs like that. So now some have developed to be really, really good running backs. I'm just talking about star potential and, and how it goes from there. We'll see if um, those guys live up to that star potential. And if they do, does Mullen feed them the ball? You know, and you know, it's a hot hand every week. Is it a guy who practices better during the week? I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see how that running back and how that run game, um, how it shakes out. And a lot of you agreed, as I said, it was the leading vote-getter of which position group battle interests you the most as the Gators head in the fall camp. But let's get into a little more of your thoughts here of people who didn't uh, necessarily agree with the running backs. Ken Musk says, I'm saying wide receiver because if you look at explosive plays, the last two years it comes from the wide receivers getting open and making catches. We don't have the offensive line to be consistently explosive running the football. Very interesting thought there. If you don't think the offensive line gets any better, and if you don't think these running backs help the offensive line take some steps, and if they're not going to be able to bust the explosive runs, basically like I talked about earlier, if you don't think they're, if you think explosive runs are still going to be an issue, then wide receiver can interest you a whole lot because who's going to be hitting those big plays in the receiver group? I haven't seen it consistently from really any of them uh, so far. So which ones are going to step up to be the explosive playmaker? I think Jacob Copeland has that possibility. I think Xavier Henderson has that possibility. Justin Shorter, I think, in a kind of red zone situation where, you know, you're at the 30, 20-yard line. If you have enough time, throw it up, go get it in the end zone. I think Justin Shorter is that type of uh, wide receiver there. I don't think he's a, a you know, you're catching run, outrun everybody type of receiver. Uh, there so you know we'll see can other wide receivers step up to be in that more explosive mold like a Kadarius Tony 
AJ Hookem Gators says wide receiver for me. I feel like we are stacked at running back. So the opposite end of the spectrum there. So I guess I feel like we are stacked at running back. So only good news there. I don't think there's enough depth at offensive line to make for a good position battle. Defensive back is looking better. Wide receiver, though, we have some guys who flash, but we need a difference maker to step up this year. There we go. <laughs> Just kind of said the same thing. So, yeah, who's going to be the difference maker there? There hasn't been anybody who's really separated enough from the group, I don't think. Justin Short or Jacob Copeland were very similar in stats last year uh, when you go back and look at it. So who's is there a guy who separates? Does there need to be one or two guys that separate, or can it be a big group effort? That's that, That's – I'm very interested to see how that shakes out. Does I mean Kadarius Tony had 70 catches last year? 70. Nobody's getting near that this year, even with more games being played. I don't think anybody's getting near that 70 uh, catch. So is it uh, a committee there that's also explosive? You know, are there two or three guys that can be that explosive uh, wide receiver? All right, Zach Amato. We'll move on to another position. He says the offensive line. And he says this because if they aren't good. The other groups can't shine and play the way they need to. I, like, I really like that. Uh, we'll adjust like always, sure, but it's not going to be effective to the level we know it can be. Good point. I mean, if you're looking at this offensive line, well, Emory Jones would be better if the offensive line's better. The running backs would be better if the offensive line's better. Um, and like he says, there will be adjustments. You know, they adjusted last year. There was a, the offense was still good because of an, an elite passing game. They adjusted. But was it truly effective at, at, at times? More times than off, not, yes. But there were times when you needed to run the ball and you could not run the ball. There's the effectiveness of an offense. So, you know, and, and look, in a lot of those games where Florida still struggled to run the ball, but they were still beating opponents by a couple scores. You know, running game was not effective, but overall, because you just built up a lead so 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 large, you could say the offense was effective, just not effective in running up the clock. So there's different ways to look at it, but that's that's one way. Gator Laker Colt says the old line hands down. We need an offense dictated by us and how we move teams off the ball, not an offense dictated by how quick a defensive lineman can beat one of our guards or tackles. I've, I, I love that, and it's a saying that I don't use enough that I, I have said in the past. I like for my offense to dictate the game, not be dictated. And that, at least in the run game, has been uh, an issue. Passing game to a point, when you look at Gene Lance on that right side, uh, Kyle Trask had to get rid of the ball a whole lot more, or a lot earlier than he really needed to at, at some point because that right side of the line was being dictated by a pass rusher. And, and a mismatch. So I, I do like that. You get a mean streak, like we talked about, a little more physicality in this run game. They can dictate the game. They can dictate the pace of the game. You know, Mullen loves to do that. If you go back to you know, his history uh, of a running, of, of an offense that can run the ball well, he can dictate the game. There we go. I mean, that's, uh, uh, I do like that aspect uh, that Gator Laker Colt comes out. If, if the offensive line is where we, where we think it can be, then you can, uh, or the whole run game, then it can dictate the game. Uh, the Gator, the Gator Great says, I'm most concerned about the offensive line, but don't think we have enough guys on campus for a competition. Ooh, that one hurts. And that one, and the, and the truth hurts. I talked about the offensive line a while ago, and I said, I can only list six guys. And like I said, a lot of you would throw, throw Gene Lance out of that six. 
and that leaves you five. So there's not a lot of proven depth, and that's the biggest issue. I mean, you've had – and this I don't want to get on the recruiting side of it too much, but going in, it, it's, it, it's pertinent for this because you can look at that recruiting part of it two ways. They got commitments from some four-star guys who are no longer on campus, Wardrick Wilson, uh, Isaiah Wilson. I mean, there's a two four-star offensive lineman that should be in the rotation that never played a down for the Gators. There's not enough competition. There's really not. And how, and how do you manufacture it? Now, hopefully there's something in, in this in this offseason that we're going to see. And I, and I, and I know the going, going back to spring and coming out of spring, the offensive line still wasn't necessarily a huge strong point coming out of spring. Uh, but I do think they were working on things in, in in the spring. I think they were working on things that the offense can get better at. I think what this fall camp is for is to start working on the things that you do well. And I think running the ball, <laughs> it's uh, that that will be focused on uh, to, to to get better coming out of that. Uh, but uh, I think there are aspects of the run game that they they like better, and aspects of the run game uh, that can, can get that they can get better at. And then I think we're just going to look at uh, is there enough competition to help push that. If somebody's not getting their job done, a lot of you out there, you know, come out and say, you know, if, why is Gene Lance still on the field? And I've said time and time again, I mean, I, part of it is if you trust the staff or not, and I absolutely get that. But if one guy is struggling, can they be pulled out? Has somebody else proven themselves enough to be put out there? And I think that's part of it. Um there we go, Donovan German. I got a couple more here before we move on. Donovan German says, with the exception of the offensive line, the other positions have ballers that make me unconcerned. Need excellent safety and star play for this defense to work. Has been bad since Chauncey left. Does UF have the personnel? Offensive lines, offensive line is second, but mainly because of DeLance. Yep, there you go. There's one for the defensive backfield, and I can see, you know, until we see that uh, – that side of the ball improve, uh, I can see where that interests a lot of people as well. And, and partly because of who lines up where. There are so many names for Florida that you're just wondering where they're going to uh, go. Who lines up second consistently, that, that second DB spot opposite of Elam? Is it Jaden Hill, who we heard from today? Uh, and Mullen talked him up as a starter at SEC Media Days. Does Jason Marshall come along in fall camp and force the staff's hands to say, hey, there's our second cornerback, a true freshman. We're going to throw him out there. Now, look, there's no – I'll get into that in just a second. Uh, I'll come back to Jason Marshall <laughs> uh, there. I got one more topic before I'm going to uh, sign off here. I'll come back to Jason Marshall there. Safety, Mordecai, Mordecai McDaniel, see the other safety out there uh, with, with Trey D. But where does that leave players like Kamara Wilcoxon and Rashad Torrance and um, – uh, I'm drawing a blank here, but you you go go along the go along the list there. We've had a lot of transfers too. Uh, but, uh, back out of Travis Johnson, you know where does that leave players like him? You could, the trading um, at times as the season went on last year, we saw him getting better at safety. Can can he continue to progress at safety? And then can Torrance and McDaniel go out there and line up and be like we saw the communication issues last year. We saw. Um, the just one guy might make a good play, but on the other side, look completely lost. 
or you see a double DB blitz that you know shouldn't have happened. <laughs> you know, so there's a, a a lot of names out there that I think you can really look at. You just don't know where they're going to play. Where does the one black fit in? Where does Perkins, the new transfer, fit in? If Elijah Blades, that should happen anytime now, comes on campus. So there's, you know, you're throwing names at it, but you don't know where these guys necessarily fit. You don't know where they are going to necessarily play. You don't know how much they're going to necessarily play. That's that's what this fall camp is going to be for, and I can see why it interests because you have a lot of names and not really knowing how much they're going to play or where they're going to play. So – I, I like that. <laughs> it's, uh, I like it because you got a lot of depth. It's up to this coaching staff to best figure out where those guys are going to play. Overtime in the swamp says defensive backs last year was a monstrous letdown, especially the fans who yelled DBU on Twitter and chanted after interceptions for half of the season. Our only interception was Gervin Dexter, a defensive tackle. They lost their confidence. It's ran its course in 2020. I want to see DBs get their confidence back, become ball hawks again. I want to see a fundamentally sound defense. I have faith in our offense. The defense has to be out to prove 2020 was a fluke. At US Sports 24 underscore seven, he goes, interest me, DB for sure. Does Torrance get the safety spot opposite of Dean? Who's the cornerback to opposite of Elam, Hill, Marshall, incoming transfer Perkins, who plays star. Still haven't figured out, figured out that position since Chauncey. There we go. Yep. Uh, I mentioned that star position a couple weeks ago and how important it is for this defense. And I think we have seen how important it is for this defense because they haven't been able to figure that position out and the defense has struggled. Um, you get a playmaker there, a versatile playmaker there that can tackle, that can put his face in a, in a tackle, go out there and cover, go chase the linebacker, go chase a, a wide receiver, go chase a running back. You know, that, that has, got, has to be a versatile playmaker there. I think Florida has not been able to find that. You know, and excuse me, I don't really mean to bring it up, the name up, but Marco, Marco Wilson there, you know, he played that role pretty good toward the end of 2019. I thought it was something to build on for 2020. Turns out it was not. So there was a little bit of good play there. But is it a is it a Travis Johnson? Is it the one black in some packages and situations? You know, Dan Mullen spoke about that too in earlier. I kind of glossed out of the coaching staff needs to do a better job of identifying who can play where and how versatile they can be in playing that role. Can they stay on the field? And if they can't stay on the field, can you get them off the field in time to bring somebody else on the field and not look lost and confused? So there's a whole lot that goes into this defense and fixing that defense. All right, one more topic, guys, I want to bring up. One more fall camp topic that I think is a pretty good one. So you guys, if you're watching live, if uh, if you're watching on the replay, it doesn't matter. First, hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button if you're not already subscribed. But I want you to leave your comments in here. Give me some true freshmen to watch out for who you think could play some roles. Now, one reason I want to bring this up, this is Dan Mullen's fourth year. What true freshman on offense has made an impact? Hasn't been one. Really has not been one, especially skilled players. So a lot of you are in the live chat right now on YouTube. Xavier Henderson played a bit last year, but wasn't an impact guy. Now, look, a lot of this, and I, I'm not saying anything about Dan Mullen his recruiting here. A lot of it's played out because you've had a lot of experienced talent, especially at wide receiver um, coming up. So, you know, there hasn't really been an opportunity for a lot of true freshmen to come out there 
uh, and make an impact is that this year. I'm looking for a couple of true freshmen on offense. Nick Elk, since the tight end, had a great spring. He was a mismatch out there. Florida's trying to find ways to replace Kyle Pitts. There might be one in a true freshman there would tie in Nick Elksness. And then I'm also looking at Marcus Burke, big-time wide receiver at Trinity Christian in Jacksonville, big-bodied wide receiver that can fly down the field. He might be your nine-route, what we thought maybe Tyree Cleveland could be. That's might be That might be what we can get out of a Marcus Burke in his true freshman year. And I'm not saying these guys are going to do that. I'm just saying if there's true freshmen to look out for that could make an impact and a reason why, these are the guys I'm looking for. Elksness, who had a really good spring. Burke, who I think has potential to be a player down the field. Um, defense, that's where I said I'd come back around to Jason Marshall. Uh, it, he's the easy one to pick out as far as a true freshman goes uh, to make an impact. Quentin Lee, man, I see you saying um, black, the one black, I'm sure. He's a newcomer to watch, but of course not a true freshman. I'm kind of, I'm just kind of looking at true freshmen here as making it, uh, making an impact. Hasn't been many on the offensive side. Defense, we've seen it. Kyrie Elam toward the end of 2019. Dexter played a whole lot as a five star. It's, it's been the a lot of some, a couple of the highly recruited deep, uh, defensive players who have made some impacts in Kyrie Elam, uh, Kyrie Elam and Jordan Dexter. But I want to see some on offense. And uh, on defense, I think you got to go Marshall. I think it's the easy way to go there. Maybe Donovan McMillan um, at, at the safety position. I heard some good things about him in the spring. I think it would take a while to get to him at safety, but maybe he's that good to where he's just pressing the issue there at safety, become that playmaker. I like his size. I like his speed. I think uh, he's got the perfect size to, to even you know, get physical at safety uh, a little bit. So I like Donovan McMillan back there. Might be getting too ahead of myself there, but true freshman-wise, I'm looking for Jason Marshall. Um, he's a, he's going to get a lot of playing time, and he might be that type that turns out to be like a Kyrie Elam. Play, you sprinkle in, sprinkle him in during the season. Toward the end of the season, you can just tell he's going to be that next great UFDB. <laughs> that's uh, that's probably the path I see. But, you know, not really a whole lot of room for a true freshman on defense this year either. Uh, if you can count on the guys that you've had, you know, that you, sh- you were hoping make big leaps from 2020 to 2021 and just some names that have been there uh, that, uh, you know, like a Zachary Carter, a Brenton Cox to a certain extent, a Jeremiah Moon, names that have been there that, uh, you know, either need to step up just a bit, show a little more production. There's just not a whole lot of, a whole lot of room out there. Fred K. I see you say Desmond Watson. Yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe so. Uh, Desmond Watson could be that guy. Uh, the true freshman we saw uh, his uh, his name brought up a whole lot this past spring. So Desmond Watson could certainly be a guy. I just I hate picking trench guys as true freshmen, but Gervin Dexter was one last year. Uh, but Desmond Watson, of course, not the five star status that Gervin Dexter was. Who was one of the top players in the country uh, coming in? But that size is special. He's lost some of that weight. It was a, you know, and it was planned. It was good to lose some of that weight, but uh, could end up could end up uh, being an impact player there, as you said, in run games, in, in run defense situations there for Desmond Watson. Whew, a whole hour and ten minutes by myself. Ooh, man, 
I don't didn't think I could talk that much, but, but, but there we go. So what happens when football season is right around the corner, the Gators are starting fall practice. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, uh, hearing all the sound bites there. It took a long time to put all the sound bites together for, for, for this episode uh, here. So hope you guys enjoyed it. I enjoyed putting it together for you. Uh, and you know, just getting the thoughts of the, of the head man himself, Dan Mullen, and the players uh, heading into the season. I think um, – I think the defense was a little bit embarrassed the way they played last year. I think you know we can look for a bounce back just in that part of it. You know they don't want to be embarrassed again. Uh, the offensive line kind of in the same boat, maybe discussed a little bit uh, as well when you have Stuart Reese and you know, how those guys can bounce back. Probably a little bit of embarrassment the way they played uh, as well at times. So hopefully, hopefully, get her to bouncing back, get on the field, get all this stuff figured out. We got about a month before the season starts. So exciting times, exciting times coming. Um, so fall camp starts Friday. That's what this episode was for. We kind of preview that. Uh, there will be a presser right after the first practice. So don't know how much we'll get. We'll, we should be getting some video uh, and stuff as well from Florida uh, from, from practice. But, of course, they're only going to send us what they want to send us and what they want to put out there. So you're not going to glean too much uh, from it. But at least we get a little bit of it, a little bit. Of uh, football here in the next month before the Gators kick off. So, all right, guys, that will do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Share the episode. Let everybody know out there where they can get a really good fall preview, fall camp preview coming up um, here on Gators Breakdown. So, everybody, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, take you out, take you out later.